Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, the founder and host of the Seeking Excellence podcast. I'm pumped about today's episode with my guest and uh, my new friend, Bella Bryant. Uh, Bella is just an absolute rock star. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, a little bit more about her in a second. But first, this topic is something that most of you know is is very dear to me, something that I'm, I'm passionate about, something I care about a lot. Hopefully, you've read my three-part letter series, If Only Life Was Black and White Like Me. This is, in some ways, a continuation of that, a lot more research, a lot more pondering and thinking about the topic, a lot more learning on my end um, ha- has gone into this. And so, Bella is also very educated on the topic as well. And so we had a great conversation uh, about Black Lives Matter. It was one of the most comp- uh, common questions that I was getting back when I was doing the talks on my letters or just like when the letters got released is what about Black Lives Matter? What do you think about Black Lives Matter? And talking about the movement, the philosophy, the organization. And so we kind of break that down today and really deep dive into what is Black Lives Matter? How can we as Catholics navigate this world where they're being elevated as heroes. Like, should we endorse them? Should we not support them? And so we talk about that. We hold nothing back. And, and we've got two full hours, uh, one one coming out today. And then we'll have another part two will be coming out on Friday uh, that are all about this. And so I'm excited to get into it, to reveal this with you guys. And I'm very excited and, and blessed that Bella decided to join me for this adventure. So Bella Bryant is currently the president and founder of Restore Love, a nonprofit she started in 2020. That's mission is to help young women heal from the traumatic effects of child sex abuse and addictive pornography use. She comes from an interracial family. Her dad's black and mom's white, just like me, and has eight siblings. She was born and raised Catholic and has a passion for sharing her faith and her political views on social media. She gained a large following after coming out as a black conservative and sharing her thoughts on BLM and its negative effects on our country and more specifically on black Americans. And so very excited for that. Uh, really want you to subscribe uh, so that you don't miss uh, the next the next podcast that we come out with. So subscribe here. You can go and follow Bella on Instagram. Uh, that Her her handles for both her uh, Restore Love, her nonprofit, and her personal handles are going to be in the show notes. So go check that out. You can follow her at, at Bella Bryant on Instagram. Bella with three A's. So, so hit that up, but I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let us know what you think. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ, to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. 
it is time to begin seeking excellence. Hey everyone, welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. My name is Nathan Crankfield, your host. Very excited to have a special guest with me today, Bella Bryant. Bella, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Nathan. <laughs> Great, exciting. Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. It's so good mm-hmm. to have you. I know we've got a baller, baller, touchy, sensitive topic to talk about today. So I'm very excited to dig into that for Uh sure. But before we do that, would you just give a little bit about your background, who you are, where you're from? Since I didn't know that before this conversation. (laughs) Everybody thought I was from California. Cool. It's fine. Right. Um, My my least favorite state. So I'm glad to hear that you're now. (laughs) Well, now that I don't live there anymore, definitely. Well, actually, while I was living there, it was my least favorite state. (laughs) (laughs) Never live in Hollywood. Um, Anyways, moving on from that. Yes, I'm Isabella Bryant. I am one of eight children. I'm the fourth of eight children, actually. I grew up uh, basically cradle Catholic, but my dad is a convert. So that was very influential in our lives. Um, so big family, always played sports, grew up in Arizona, uh, Mesa, Arizona, to be exact, born in the house that I am currently in because my mom wow. likes do home births. Um, and yeah, so always been pretty on fire for my faith. A lot of my background experiences caused different kinds of trauma in my life um, that I didn't really understand until I was older and going to counseling and different things like that. But God was always kind of a constant through the hard things. Um, And he just, I always felt his presence in my life in a very strong way. So I was always kind of on fire for that. And um, when I took that to social media, along with pro-life views, a little bit of politics in there, my social media grew a lot in the past year. I have around like 12K on Instagram. I had before I deleted my TikTok about 180K. And I was just talking about politics. I actually blew up on TikTok talking about the subject we're going to talk about, which is BLM, um, racism in America, uh, police brutality, all of that stuff. And that's when people kind of were like, oh, we want to listen to her. She's she's black. She's conservative. She has a different view. It's interesting. Um, And we like the way she puts her views forth. So um, that's when I really grew on social media. Now I'm running a nonprofit called Restore Love. Basically, we help young women heal from child sex abuse and addictive pornography use. Uh, Very new, started that this year and hoping to have it grow a ton in 2021. Uh, But yeah, that's a little bit background on me. I'm 21. I went to school for two years. Um, Now I'm just kind of living my life back in Arizona. That's great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks for sharing that. I first, I first came across you with the, uh, the culture project that you did with Emily, (laughs) which is awesome to see. And so yeah, I remember just watching that uh, one day. I was working from home, obviously, like everybody was back in May or June, whenever that was, and was just yeah, Something just impressed. Like yeah, impressed by yeah. the way that you express yourself, uh, your passion for the topic, the courage that it takes to talk about that topic. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for both of you, you know what I mean. I was wildly yes. impressed and uh, big time respected that. So excited to have you here today. Excited to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> I love what you're doing. I remember watching you debate. I, I didn't watch the entire debate you did with that oh. girl recently, but that was one of the more Victoria, courageous. Yeah. Yeah, one of the more crazy acts I've seen as yes. well. Because yeah, and I was just like, okay, you're a savage. I was like, Bella, Bella is a, you know, there's no way around it. Yeah, that's like, it's so just funny. Pure savagery, okay. what you're willing to do. Savagery. That's a new name for me. Yeah. No, like yeah, it. you're you're definitely a gangster in your own right. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm proud of you. But yeah, we want to talk about a Catholic response to Black Lives Matter, and so let's break it down a little bit with, you know, what is Black Lives Matter and talk through that. And, and, you know, whenever I give my talks on my letters, if only life was black and white like me, and I I speak about that, I think it's, 
I always get this question. And so that's why I really wanted to break it down with you and talk through this. And one of the things I think is so important, and I know that we agree on, is that there's a big difference between the statement and the philosophy and mm -hmm. the organization, right? Exactly. So the statement belief that Black Lives Matter, and then you have the organization. And so the philosophy is just a belief that, you know, some people support and believe in the actual, like, rational fact <laughs> that Black people have inherent yeah. value, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that, in, that leads a lot of people to justifying themselves endorsing or using the hashtag or, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Blackout Tuesday, you know, posting mm -hmm. your little black square type stuff, um, supporting the Black Lives Matter, you know, initiatives or donating yeah. or whatever, because they believe in the statement that Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that I, I think was really sad after the death of George Floyd, I felt like mm -hmm. we all, for the most part, you know, like 99.9% .9 of America agreed that he yes. should not have died, right? Yes. And then you then you had the right, and we all agreed, and it was beautiful, and we were having good yeah. conversations about racism, and then you go into the rioting and looting, which is where we disagreed. And I think that similarly with the Black Lives Matter, one of the things I get frustrated with conservatives sometimes is that people who are saying that Black Lives Matter, when we respond sometimes with the all lives matter, it, it, I feel like it just it creates a, a point of diversion where it's like we can just agree that Black Lives Matter and start to have open the conversation mm -hmm. from there from agreeing mm -hmm. that that statement is true. You know, exactly. um, yeah. not saying that all lives don't matter, but it's just like you yes. recognizing you know something that we're passionate you know you and I are both passionate about is recognizing the actual hurt or frustration or pain that mm -hmm. somebody's experiencing, whether it's actual whether we agree with it what whatever or yeah. if, we, if it might just be a perceived pain or perceived injustice. Yes. How do you feel about it? acknowledging that that person is hurting and what they're trying yeah. to voice and what they're trying to stress is something that's coming from a place of pain. And if we're going to agree and have fruitful conversation, we mm -hmm. have to address that and acknowledge that first, Totally. you know? Yeah. So we can no, share exactly. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's no. And I just kind of wanted to add to that too. I think it's really important that we do point out that people screaming all lives matter when someone says black lives matter is, is not helpful in any way. And it's, it's kind of like you're assuming that people who say Black Lives Matter mean Black Lives Matter and are more important than other lives. Right. Which that's, there's no there's no added on at the end. It's just oh we're kind of pointing out this thing happened and it shook the Black community. So right. we're trying to uplift the Black community, right? Um, and even though I think the movement has done a lot of wrong, I still think it's important to say that oh when we are just going to come back at someone defensive, right? That never helps a conversation. If you right. say something and someone's immediately defensive, I know because I'm like this with my mom all the time and our <laughs> conversations go nowhere, right? So if we're in a huge- It's hard to like imagine that, since you have yeah. such like a passive personality, you know what I mean? You seem I actually, very, it's hard. It's only really with my mom. Like literally, <laughs> she, you know, she just like hits, she just hits certain pinpoints, you know, people sure. and you're like, who know you well. Absolutely. Um, that's so funny, but- yeah, I just think we're on a societal level here, right? We had the groups of people, just one saying one thing, not even really like angry. Like you're just like kind of like Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. It's like, okay, if we want to form a good conversation here, that's not really super helpful. I remember seeing that and being like more and more frustrated as a conservative, seeing other conservatives do it. I was like, okay, this is one of those moments where I'm going to say I don't appreciate everything um, that people who like, agree with me and think like me do, you know, right. and that's totally okay. We should be able yeah, to point exactly. out where we see certain things that are going wrong, you know? Certainly. Yeah. And one of the things, and you, you'll like this too, I think, is that we, I, I hate, I, I hate hypocrisy on either side, right? Like yes. that's, it's so frustrating. And we do this, we defend against the all lives matter type of philosophy yes. in the pro-life movement. 
because yeah. they attack the pro-life movement and say, you only care about babies before they're, or before they're born. You don't care yeah. about adoptive programs. You don't care yeah. about people once they're alive, whatever. And, you know, one of the greatest responses I've ever heard to that is a woman representing the pro-life movement said, do you get mad at the American Cancer Association for not fighting diabetes? or for not fighting no. heart, heart disease, right? No, right, because they're fighting cancer. And so mm -hmm. like, that's exactly the same philosophy, right? The same mentality, the same rationality mm -hmm. that says, they're not saying that other lives don't matter. They're just advocating for a people that's that they, yeah, that has, that mm -hmm. has historically been oppressed that they feel mm -hmm. is still being significantly, substantially oppressed. Yeah. You can disagree with that, but the rationality that if they believe that, yeah, you know, it still stands. Like it's still, it's yeah. still you know, it's, it's, uh, it's valid reasons, valid logic. Yeah. And so I think it's so yeah. important. And then to understand on the other side, though, you know, in, in supporting that and just the mm -hmm. statement in and of itself, when when Black Lives Matter is touted in situations and circumstances where the 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 person who died at the hands of the police was clearly yes. in the wrong. Yes. That's when you have people who have to, you know, voice and start the, the Blue Lives Matter movement comes yes. up because they do have to overcompensate for this fact that every yes. time somebody, a black person dies at the hands of the police, no matter how violent they were, no matter how yes. justified it was, right? By yes. all, you know, law enforcement or anybody, you know, even myself with some, you know, tactical training backgrounds, mm -hmm. infantrymen, like I'm recognizing that if I was in Afghanistan and somebody did that, we would have shot yes. him, you know? Like yes. you recognize that when when Black Lives Matter, the slogan and the, the push, the movement is still voiced, even in those circumstances, and it never yes. budges, it never considers, you know, the value of the life of the police officer. I do understand as well that, People yeah. who have police officers in their family, as I do, you know, want to voice the fact that, hey, police lives also matter. And so yeah. that has to be balanced out with the fact that Black yeah. lives matter. Not one matters more than the other inherently, yeah. right? But you have these circumstances where, where yeah. yeah, where things are, with, things are unjust. Yeah. You have violent with criminals. Like, yeah, with things like ACAB, right? So it was kind of like for the longest time, it was like most people who were, you know, um, either like leaning super left or super involved in the media, who were had big accounts like had things like blm slash acab right or yeah acab yeah right so they are basically saying all cops are this thing and like black lives matter mm -hmm. like these go hand in hand so i think the blue lives matter kind of came out in defense of acab and just right. that idea that oh one cop doesn't do his job super well in one situation therefore all cops are bad horrible right. logic they tell us we shouldn't do stuff like that like one black person is a criminal. All black people are criminal. That's exactly. That's that's a problem. <laughs> they don't exactly. want us to generalize about that, but then they'll go and generalize and about cops or generalize about many other things, and that's another hypocrisy that we see. Right. Um, and so I think you know the Blue Lives Matter is a hundred percent fair and valid, especially when people are like defund the police. Police right. are horrible. It's like wow, these people. It's not like people just like wake up and are like, I want to go put my life in danger for the community that I live in. It's just so crazy. It's just so crazy to right. me that people truly believe that, wow, these people just do it for the power, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, there are bad cops. We all know that abuse rates are high. There's different things going on there that we should be working sure. on, right? And helping them through that because majority of them really just want to help the communities that they live in. Yeah. So I, I just like never really themselves. understood the ACAB thing. Right. And it, it is interesting. And that, that goes back. You know, and it's so funny how like through this, as you're untangling this, and this is something I've always wanted to do on the podcast, is yeah. walking through these things step by step, because you really get to yes. jump back and forth between the right and the left of the mm -hmm. same philosophies, the same like moral reasoning 
yeah. going back and forth and being criticized by one while being maintained in the other in a different mm-hmm. circumstance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the, the left holds that, you know, you shouldn't stereotype and generalize, but oh. then they do that towards police. And then, the, mm-hmm. you know, the right does the same thing. Sometimes, you know, you're far right, you, you know, yes. people who are actually racist do the same stuff and defend that it shouldn't happen to the police, but do it towards minorities, you know? And it's like, you, you get to see the hypocrisy and the, mm-hmm. the, the fact that, yeah, you know, as Christians, we have to understand that like Jesus would not come and necessarily be a hard line, a hundred percent aligned with everything the Republican party does oh, yeah. and support everything every Republican politician does, yeah. you know, but also criticize as we criticize the left, we have to recognize that as well. And that's one of the things that I love. I know, I, you know, I just listened to one of your Ben and Bella episodes recently, and I know that we both are fans of the daily wire. And that's yes. what I always encourage people to listen to people like Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, those guys, right. because they specifically, I know those two and why I listen to them the most is that they criticize both sides when needed and they i've heard them praise democratic leaders and stuff you know when they do the right thing even the ones they hate the most i've heard them say this was a good move i thought they did the right thing here and that's important and i think that you know just going back to how should the church respond to the philosophy before we get to the organization because we're going to spend a bulk of our time talking about that yeah uh it's just understanding that the church agrees that black people matter right Mm -hmm. like people should know that like that shouldn't be a debated thing we've had our issues in the church everybody's aware of the, the church's issues, right? Like yes. we have been, the last 20 years have been nothing but church issues, yes. you know? And and we've had flawed human beings. We've had sinful people yes. in the church, running the church, literally filled with sinful people because we're all sinners, right? Yeah, hundred percent right. <laughs> you know, since yeah. since the death, of, since I should say the death, since the assumption of Mary, we've yeah. had a hundred percent sinner rate in the yeah. church, right? Yeah. And so- I, I mean, think it's Peter a, started the church. Come on. <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah. I think it's, uh, we have to understand that like the church believes that believes that everybody has, uh, mm-hmm. you know, is created in the image of God, the image and likeness of God, and then they have an yeah. inherent value. And so, yeah, so that's huge. And that we just, you know, as we stated already, we have to be compassionate. We have to be empathetic with people, even people who are deeply entrenched in the organization's beliefs or support yes. it, you know, we have to like, we're called to love them. Like, Yes. So, so often I think we as conservative Catholics or Christians can get so hard hearted towards those who disagree with us. Yes. When like, that's our modern day, you know, Matthew five, like pray for your enemies totally. for those who persecute you. Like, do we actually do that? Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, I need to tell you a story. I was in mass and we're talking about politics. Our, our priest is basically giving us homily talking about politics and yeah. he brought up pray for your enemies. And at that time, Kamala Harris, was like on the mind or I always say her name wrong and people are like you're racist for doing that I'm black I'm not racist I just can't don't know how to say her name but is it Kamala or Kamala I think it's Kamala I, I don't think anybody Anyways, knows I don't yes that's what confused me when anyway she whatever it? she just I, I I don't know I thought it was Kamala but then I think it's Kamala I actually okay I'm getting over that moving moving forward um she just really bothers me like she's so pro-choice there's just so many things that she has done in her past. The yeah. hypocrisy of her life in politics absolutely irks me, right? And like- Yeah, she's no stars. It's it's really like, okay, like I'm bothered, you know, and I'm scared right. to have her as a, as a VP and maybe one day the president, right? Sure. Um, and he said that and in my head, I was like, I have never once even thought of praying for her. Not once in my life. And it totally like struck me to my core. <laughs> I was like, we do yeah. need to do that. We just need to pray for these people. We should be praying for Joe Biden. We should be praying for Kamal. We should be praying for the governors in California and New York who we think are putting things into law that are unconstitutional. Like we should be yeah. praying for these people. And oftentimes I'm like, just like so caught up in like, I'm so mad at what they're doing, you right. know, that we just forget 
everyone is a person with a separate life, right? And my friends, I have such great friends and I was talking with them last night when we had sushi, it was amazing. And she's talking about how realities, right? Everyone's realities are different and they are formed by our experiences that we have. We all have different experiences, right? And so this is something I've always even tried to take into consideration with people who are pro-life, people who are pro-choice, Democrats, everyone, right? And I think, wow, so their, their life has had them grow into a person who thinks, the Black Lives Matter organization is okay, who thinks, um, you know, racism is totally systemic and a huge problem in America today in 2020. All these things I disagree with, or that it's okay to kill a child in the womb, right? But their life experiences, whatever they have been, have made them think and believe in these realities that I do not believe are realities or are good things, right? Um, So we have to understand and empathize with the fact that they have totally complete different experiences just like growing up in the faith is a completely different experience than someone who might have converted or someone who totally is atheist and not faithful right now and instead of judging all the the decisions they make now because of the reality that they live in due to their experiences we should try to understand those experiences that they grew up in we try to understand like oh yeah some of these might be inner city kids some of these people grew up in low-income homes like yeah, maybe they do. And think experience the world is police them. brutality. Yes. You know what experience I mean? Experience all of those experience racism. racism. I have yeah. friends to experience racism in ways yeah. that I never did. And or prejudice. There's a lot of different ways you could explain it. But just little kids saying stupid things wherever yeah. they got them from, right? Whatever there was in the home or watching a show or a movie or another friend who says something like that. And they think it's okay to say that to another person. Right. Um, I didn't have those experiences, but I know people who did. And, and so I have to be really open-minded and empathetic towards this situation, even though I don't necessarily think BLM, the organization has everything right about why they think there is oppression, right? Or what the cause of, you know, the hardships in the black community is, right? Yeah. And you, do you approach that with gratitude for what you do have and what you've been given? Or do you approach that with disdain for the other person for what they haven't been given and what they have experienced? You know, and that's like, yeah. that's one of the, the key things that I think is important, you know, in talking about the church's response to these things is that we have to have gratitude. And it's the mm-hmm. same as evangelization, right? Like when you come up to somebody and they say, I don't believe in God for this or that, like, we don't just, we, at least we ought not to just immediately hate them and dislike yeah. them and be like, you're an idiot. You're so dumb. Like, how can you think that? Yes. Right. But we do that in political beliefs and, and things mm-hmm. that are moral, you know, moral issues, not just political, like, you know, economy or, you know, something that's, that's less, I mean, the economy can still be moral too, for sure. But, you know, not some of these things that are just like purely political, but like yeah. legitimately moral issues that are like affecting yeah. this person's soul that they hold yeah. on to and clench very to. very personal, yeah. Yeah, it's like if we disagree with them on sin, like you don't just hate them and leave them and say, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'm so mad. Like, I can't believe you think that. You're an idiot. I can't be your yeah. friend anymore or whatever. You know, like you're supposed to pray for them. You're supposed to help them yeah. through that. You're supposed to guide them through it. And, and you, I think that comes from a place of gratitude for Lord, thank you for the way that you've impacted my heart, my life, the things yeah. that you've led me to, you know, as I've sought the truth, because mm-hmm. it was in seeking the truth and seeking you that I've come to learn and understand and believe mm-hmm. these things, you know, by your grace and evangelization, you know, that's, that's one of the big things I talked about in letter number three is that evangelization should prepare us for this. Like the church should yeah. already be ready. Yes. You know, us a highly engaged Catholics should already be ready to, to handle these conversations, to do these things, to love these mm-hmm. people, to pray for them. And so I love your vulnerability and talking about that. I too am not always good about praying for my enemies by no means am I a master of that. Um, yeah. And I think that this is, that's what we have to evaluate as we go through these times, these challenging mm-hmm. times of how am I actually living out my Christian faith in my current circumstances, in my current situation? Yeah. 
And it's big. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to look that in the face. I feel like, you know, at this point, I almost can guarantee that we're not going to get through the rest. It's we're like three <laughs> percent through what we wanted to share. 3%, that's but so I true. love it. Yeah, yes. we're definitely gonna. I think need to postpone for a second part at some point. But we will uh, definitely continue pushing through this. Yeah. As we go through, do you have any other thoughts on the philosophy before I transition in and discuss more about the organization? No, I think I think we covered it all for me. Yeah, for sure. Praise God. So the organization, so I want to read their mission statement. And so I know mm-hmm. that somebody told me recently that, uh, and by somebody, I mean like some podcast or something I was listening to, uh, which I, I'm just getting at. Yeah. My friend, Ben, it might've been my homie, Candace. I don't remember who it was, but somebody <laughs> told me that the organization recently updated their website in a major way because they were taking so much flack for the like outright Marxist things that they had written on their website. Yes. As far yes. as like, used to say a lot more, I remember, and I had looked it up back in like June or July when people started talking about it a lot more, but uh, things that they said about like destroying the nuclear family and trying to reorganize society and all that kind of stuff. But let's go ahead and read the missions or, or the organization's mission statement that is currently up on the website at, at this time. So yeah. Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murder, murderer, excuse me. Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation Incorporated is a global organization in the US, UK, and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. By combating and countering acts of violence, violence, creating space for black immigration, black imagination and innovation. (laughs) Jeez. Let me just start that sentence over again. This is why I can never be an audible reader. You know, I swear that I've read things before, people. This is not my first time. From the top, by combating and countering acts of violence, creating space for Black imagination and innovation, and centering Black joy, we are winning immediate improvements in our lives. Boom. Interesting. Yeah. What are your immediate thoughts on that, on the mission statement? Um honestly sounds much better. I read an article back in the day too, like June or whatever, where it kind of talked about their mission statement. It was quite different or just a lot of the bullet points I went through. It was quite different than this. Um, I kind of like what they say, right? So by combating and countering acts of violence, creating space for black imagination and innovation and centering black joy. So I like this, but we have to understand very broad, very, very broad, not a lot of specifics. Um, and so what is that? How do we create space for black imagination and innovation? Do we not have space already for black imagination and innovation? Also centering black joy. Are you going to talk about the cultures that black Americans grow up in that yeah. actually totally create this idea of disrespecting women, rapping is great, drug dealing, blah, you know, this culture that a lot of Black Americans do grow up in, not all of them at all, but um, are we going to talk about that or is this all going to be about violence inflicted on Black communities, right? Right. Sure. Um, And are you going to talk about how majority of the violence that is inflicted is inflicted by people they live with? So just all of that stuff. I really like what they're trying to say. And I think a lot of them have good hearts in what they're trying to do. Like, I think most, you know, liberal people who want to fight most, I'm not going to say the people who are high up because I always think they have an agenda. Right. But (laughs) the people who are just like us, right, who are fighting for this cause, I totally believe they have a good heart and they want to help. I just generally think that 
they want to do it in a way that I don't think would actually be helpful, which we've seen in the history of like Democrats and doing things for Black Americans. They always put all these things forth that in the past, I don't know, 30 years, I haven't really seen in that improvement, 30, 40 years actually, sure. in certain Black communities, right? Definitely. That are governed by Democrats. So I'd rather see something that might actually like really improve um, black lives. And I don't know if the way they want to go about it, just fighting violence by vigilantes in the state. I don't really think that's the main cause of the issues in black America for sure. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah. So from the top for me, I think one of the things that is so important that I always encourage people to do is that you have to agree where you can agree with people, right? If you're going to, if you're going to make any headway and you know, this from your recent debate, I'm sure, you know, if you're going to, you always want to start with what is our common ground. And I try to pick out the things, whether it's a book I'm reading or a talk I'm listening to, or even something like this, a mission statement for an organization, Mm -hmm. what can I agree with, with these people? And so I think that generally speaking, we all agree with a majority of that, right? Like to eradicate white supremacy and to intervene on violence inflicted on black communities, you know, sure. Like that sounds good. Like there's nothing about that, that, you know, really sounds bad. Cowering acts of violence, uh, having space for black imagination and innovation. Like those are good things. And I think we recognize that. Yeah. And I Mm -hmm. I love what you said, you know, of just sharing about is the way they're going to go about it wrong. You know, absolutely. You know, I think we're going to agree with that. It is, you know, as we dive deeper into it, but the, the general concepts of it are good. And I think that that's important to recognize because, I think that as we talk about how should the church respond to the organization, we have to, under, we have to, you know, encourage people to do so with the combination of love and truth with faith and yeah. reason. Right. And recognize that the churchgoers are typically compassionate, loving, want what's mm-hmm. best for other people, people, right. They're, yeah. they're supposed to be like, you obviously have your yeah. exceptions where people are like, Oh, churchgoers are nasty people. You and I both know yeah. that's not true. Like, you're highly engaged, like truly faithful Catholics are the best people that I've ever known, yeah. you know, like there's charitable, all of right. those things. Yeah. yeah. Kind, forgiving, you know what I mean? All that stuff. And so I think that that's important for us to recognize though, that people in those camps, especially the, the more formed, like the more loving your heart is, but the less formed you are in philosophy mm-hmm. and politics and, yes. um, you know, church teaching, you know, on a deeper level. Yeah the more likely you are to be susceptible to fall into things that might be, you know, the proverbial wolf in sheep's clothing. And so I think that organizations like this and why they change some of their website is to be better, you know, dressed up as a sheep. Um, Yes. Exactly. Semantics to their advantage. Precisely. And so we see that with a lot of, a lot of, you know, politicians as well. And so we Mm -hmm. want to talk through some of the the actual issues um, that that we have with the organization, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're, are a plethora. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the first ones that I think is really big is that it's founded by three self-proclaimed radicals and they hold socialist beliefs, you know, even though they've edited the website, you hear in a lot of their rhetoric when they're doing TV interviews and things like that, that they seek to destroy the rights to life, traditional marriage, the family unit and gender, you know, some of the, mm-hmm. you know, what Matt Walsh calls the unholy trinity. Yeah. Um, they are huge supporters of. Uh, of yeah. all of those things and so the quote from their website that I pulled off is yes. in 2013 and this is this is from the her story page of the website not history page but her story you get it yeah it's a little tricky you see what they did yeah 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 yep, yep. playing on words there yeah. <laughs> you get it <laughs> you get it I love it so uh we have in 2013 three radical black organizers Alicia Garza 
Patrice Coolers and Opal Opal Tometi. I think you did your best. I did. I, I definitely did my best. Thank you for your support. <laughs> Created a Black-centered political will and movement building project called hashtag Black Lives Matter. It was in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer, George Zimmerman. So boom. So the reason why I pulled that off too, I think is because it's just important to say three radical Black organizers. Now, yeah. Radical. The word radical obviously means different things to different people, but I think that in yeah. today's world, like we, we typically understand that radical means you really want to shake things up and you really want to change things. And I think that mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that I hope people get from what we're going to share here and what we've talked about so far is that this mm-hmm. isn't just, you know, semantics, like nice words, be kind to people, mm-hmm. be loving to people, like, you know, comfort the afflicted. Yeah. Like there's an agenda. There's a plan here. There's a plan to yeah. You know, I don't want to necessarily say destroy America, but really like from the core, from the ground up, completely yeah. rearrange it, completely change, you know, oh, yeah. what America is. And so I think people need to recognize that and start to kind of realize that this is yeah. bigger than just, you know, a cute hashtag and comforting people oh, who yeah. are mourning the death of someone from their community. Yeah. yeah. And if this year shows anything, I think it's that we should be wary of the ways the devil, um, will work to destroy societies, countries, cultures, right? Um, America being one of the greatest countries in the world, if not the greatest country in the world. Of course, he wants to destroy the fact that we have freedom, right? Right. We have religious liberty, all of these things. And we need to pay attention to the ways COVID is handled, the ways racial um, problems in America are handled. And, you know, what one side says and what the other side says and dividing our country, right? because a country divide like can't stand all of these things, yep. right? Of course, we want to, of course, not be like, oh, everything's the devil or like always be like, <laughs> right. oh, you're mongering, it's the devil. Yeah. But like, we should be like the as water boys mom. Yeah, we should just be very, <laughs> very wary and aware that, oh, the devil might be working his hands, you know, his demons are might be working here and right. just pay attention, right? Read things like the screw tape letters. Like we gotta try to um, understand how the devil wants to work in our lives, right? Um, because yep. then if we don't know he's there, we can't defend ourselves. Yeah. So I think it's just really important. Just wanted to add that. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't ignore the fact that that's real, you know? Yeah. And, and and I think that we, we so often, and I see this on both sides too. I'm, I'm always impressed by uh, people who, who get into this spot of just like believing, you know, kind of naively in my opinion that, like all people are inherently good and want what's best for everyone, like equally, like, yeah. like, like people are not yeah. corrupted. And I, I do see it more from my liberal friends, I think who place, yeah. like, you know, and the, the podcast I just listened to you guys talk about on your, on your show was the, you know, the COVID-19 restrictions and things like that. Yes. And, and there's been so many examples. I don't want to derail into all of that, but just mm-hmm. so many examples of politicians, especially democratic leaders, you know, I remember yeah. Gavin Newsom had one, uh, Nancy Pelosi, the, the Denver mayor, the mayor of Austin, I don't remember yeah. their names, um, but huge coming out and, and, you know, making all these tough restrictions and telling people to do things that they literally the next day went and did themselves, yeah. you know, this whole, like, yes. th- I'm making these rules for you and not for me. And, and yes. I don't know how people still will vote or believe that they should be making more restrictions for us, knowing that they're not yes. going to follow them. And I think that that just, I use that as an example because I think it's a very clear example of these people don't always want what's best for us. You know, like our politicians, totally. like they, they have an agenda, they have, you know, things that they want to get done or, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's, it's so important, you know, for us to kind of yeah. recognize that. And 
Yeah. It completely shocks me that people really just like walk around thinking, oh, the government, like it's kind of like a fairyland in my head. Like the government loves us, wants to take care of us. Like mm. all of these people who are telling us want to like what to do have our best right. interests at heart. Like I just, um, I even tweeted about this recently where I was just like, just reconsider that. Like if you think that way, try to reconsider and like look into it uh, with an open mind and like understand that. I mean, as Christians, especially we believe in original sin. That means we believe every single person is born with something wrong with them. And if you think about your life and your life experiences, yeah, like you were a kid and your mom told you not to do something and you want, you did it, you know, because we have something inherently wrong with every single person, right? There's something wrong and that's okay. We should actually just be a little bit comforted that everyone has that struggle, right? And it's fighting that that gets us to heaven. But I just think it's really important to understand like, yeah, we all equally are born with something wrong with us, a, a desire to do more bad than good honestly absolutely so yeah gotta no, understand that for sure absolutely yeah no i 100 agree and so i think that um yeah no that that's so huge and so so moving on to just some of the the huge issues obviously right so i talked about yes. this a little bit earlier with uh you know george floyd um the death of george floyd and then going into the riots and the looting and things like that that responded yes. to that one of the most frustrating things for me to ever see right because I, you know, I, I talk a lot about, and, and I'm a big believer in what, you know, I forget who the quote comes from, but the soft bigotry of low expectations, right? And how I think so many people, like I legitimately get offended. No, I don't get offended because I don't really get offended, but I get frustrated with people who, you know, especially white liberals who defend uh, black people who are looting. And, and let's also acknowledge yeah. the fact that it's not all black people that are looting, right? Like no, there's- 100%. Yeah, lots of, like, a lots of different. It was a diverse amount of people. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And, and people just taking advantage of the situation that don't care at all about George Floyd, don't care at all about racial injustice, don't care at all about any of that, oh, totally. but are just seizing the opportunity to go down. I mean, mm-hmm. who can really ever tell what the percentage of people who are looting? I mean, what percentage of anybody who's looting and stealing something yes. actually cares about racial injustice? Like, I would argue that it's probably zero percent, zero to one percent. Maybe you could find a couple people there that are like, no, it really does bother me. You know what I mean? But for the most part, if you're going to just like steal a yeah. TV or sneakers, you don't care. Like that's not reparations. That's yeah. not whatever you're trying to push for. Like that's not the way to get anything done. And I think everybody knows that. But something that's, yeah. that's you know, I think highly unfortunate because of the media manipulation, which I've been a victim of, you know what I mean? In my own life. And I don't want to yes. say a victim of, you know, but I've been manipulated by, I've been guilty of, I should say, you know, more, yeah. more <laughs> accurately, I've been guilty of falling for the traps and the tricks of the media mm-hmm. and believing that, you know, police brutality against the black community was a significant, substantial issue that I yes. had to worry about and be concerned about every time I saw a police officer, like I felt that mm-hmm. for a certain period of time before I kind of woke up and realized like all of my Same. police experiences have been positive. I have friends and family members yeah. who are police officers. And I feel great about them, you know, like, yes. I've been, you know, a soldier overseas, like I know what it's like. And I know that most of my people, you know, had great intentions and were kind people and were willing to help the Afghans and the people we were around. Um, But I think that one of the things that is really unfortunate about it, and you get to see when you when you do become more conservative, you get to see how manipulated and how lopsided media coverage is. But one of the funniest things, Bella, that (laughs) came out, um, I forget when I, I was just trying to pull it up. So on September 5th, Time Magazine, September 4th, CNN, they highlighted this article, this, this report that came out that said that only that 93% of the, the protests were peaceful, right? So you remember this, like, yes. everybody says the mostly yes. peaceful protests, the peaceful protests of Black Lives yeah. Matter organizations, 93, I remember thinking that was so laughable that people would act like 
like seven yeah. percent of protests being violent is a good thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so they have to be, you it's know what like, I mean, like lauded and praised. Yeah. Like, and why are they trying so hard to like defend it? Like, what right. I just don't understand. Especially, what was weird to me is I was in California at the time, and I go and and I wasn't actually in California. I was living in California. I go back home. I live like really close to LA where marches. I was like on USC campus. Um, things are boarded up, spray right. paint everywhere. You go to Hollywood, like windows are smashed. Things are going yeah. on. Right. And so I'm just kind of like, well, that's crazy because everyone here is so like liberal, like, you yeah. know, and no one seems to really be upset with what's going on. It's like, oh, this is the life we live now. We look like we're this in the hunger it. games. It's yeah. like whatever. And we were know? able to push COVID aside because it's like, totally. this is a bigger issue. It's okay to go out mm -hmm. and protest because that's yes. a bigger health crisis is racial injustice. Yes. Something I just, and it was just so crazy to me that I just saw so many big names, you know, um, trying to defend the fact that there is violence going on. And what really irked me too, is no one, not one single media outlet was talking about the violence against black Americans and black business owners that was going on during these right. riots that were supposedly to help black people. Right. Yep. When you go into cities that have a, a diverse amount of people and a lot of these business owners, different things are black Americans. And I think upwards of 12 black Americans were killed during the looting and the riots. And I'm just thought, and police officers. And it was extremely upsetting to see how the media is not commenting on that. Um, and right. how big democratic leaders are either not even going to mention the violence, like it doesn't exist. Right. Or they're going to be like later on three months down the road. Yeah. Violence is never okay. Like, well, you could have said that when violence was happening, you know? Right. So and actually come out I against found a lot it. of issue with that yeah and that's one thing that i thought was so interesting with the whole back and forth between donald trump condemning white supremacy and then you have mm -hmm. you know the democratic leaders who won't condemn or or stop the violence from black lives matter and antifa yes. you know which you can yes. actively see like when i think about you know what is what is what are business business like they said you know during the election businesses aren't boarding up in case the republicans lose it's weird that there was no yes. violence, you know, violence or looting because yes. Joe Biden was proclaimed the winner, you know, like yeah. that, that should yes. say, that should flag something that was like, these were the, the subtle things that really when I, you know, was democratic or was, you know, significantly more liberal mm -hmm. than I am now, like started to like raise red flags for me. And I was just like, am I on the right side of history yeah. here? Like, am I, you know, am I in the right party? Like, am I in the place? Do I align with these people's mm -hmm. values and beliefs? And this is what, you know, yeah. what I want to hit on again is that, these are the things that you vote for when you vote for certain people, right? When you align yourself with the Democratic Party, it's not just, oh, they're the party that believes that Black Lives Matter. No, like there's more to it than that. No. It's not that simple. It's not just everybody's mm -hmm. nice and we ought to like make things more equal and mm -hmm. fair, you know, like, because we all agree yeah. with that. We all believe that we should be kind to one another, that everybody has inherent value, yes. that we should try to make opportunity mm -hmm. as equal, you know, in the land of opportunity as we possibly can. Yeah. But yeah, I want to hit on some of the numbers of what you just shared about uh, of the violence, really? right? Because one of the things, you know, going back to using COVID as an example, again, is yeah. we talk about a lot with, with COVID-19 of is the solution yeah. worse than the problem, right? Like, are we yes. creating with economic lockdowns, all this stuff? Are we creating yeah. a bigger problem with our solution to a smaller problem? And that's exactly yes. what we saw happen with these Black Lives Matter riots and protests. So I looked up an article on the Austin American Statesman that really uses numbers mm -hmm. from uh, politifact.com who uh, fact-checked a Facebook post or something from, I can't tell who it was from, um, but it's all about like numbers claimed on 
how many people, how many police officers have been injured and how many people have died during the protests. And so it says that there's not an accurate number of how many people have died, but it says here that, um, that roughly a dozen or as many as 19 the victims include a 77-year-old man who was a retired state St. Louis police captain. I can't remember yeah. what his name was, but I remember that he responded to the, yeah, yes. I've heard it so many times, but he responds to, you know, he was a, hired as a security guard for his friend's um, pawn yeah. shop and responds to the violence there and is shot and killed in the street. Um, and mm-hmm. a 22-year-old woman from Davenport, Iowa, who was also killed, 700 yeah. police officers injured, 12 to 19 people, roughly killed in in the black lives matter but you know and like when you think about how many how many people how many people were they protesting for how many examples can we remember Mm -hmm. over the last you know six months or so uh since george floyd has died um you know and you're you're definitely less than that right like maybe six six to eight i think it's around i don't i think it might even be less than that but yeah i think that i i'm trying to think i know that there's a there was a study or just you can go look it up that about nine black Americans were shot um, and unarmed by the police in this in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. So even there, that number, and that's not that's not talking about cases where it was unjust, right? That's just, right. oh, these nine black Americans were shot unarmed, right? And there are situations that allow for that, and that's okay, right? Because things happen. Um, but even there, violent. we have that yeah. number. We have that number and that's less than the 12 to 19 who were killed. Right. You know, during how many months? In six months. Yeah. 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 I mean, this, yeah, this, this article is not from yesterday. You know what I mean? So yes, it's from August 10th. (laughs) Yeah. So So that was in two and a half months, two and a half Mm -hmm. months of riots. You're talking about 12 to 19 Mm -hmm. people died and, and, oh, and a reminder that that St. Louis police captain who was retired was a black man. Um, who yes. lived an honorable yes. life, you know what I mean, was a good man, a good father, um, who died prematurely, you know, um, for violence, for no reason, for senseless violence yeah. in two and a half months, 12 to yeah. 19 people dead. So yeah, definitely it was less than six to eight, where I just, the number that I gave by mm-hmm. August 10th, definitely not, because I don't think Jake, Jacob yeah. Blake hadn't even died by then, I don't think, I can't remember when when that incident happened, I want to say it was in August, but. No, I don't think he had, it was later on, it might have, I don't think he had, and if he had, it was really like it must have been right around really that close around that yeah yeah, yeah. No, and the absolutely. Jacob Blake story is so I mean all these stories are different like we right. we need to recognize right George Floyd's case which is so funny that so much violence came out of George Floyd's case it kind of actually blows my mind because it was like immediately immediately the man who had his knee on his neck who didn't yeah, exactly Chauvin. kill him I guess if you really look at the medical reports like it wasn't a direct cause or something well I don't know I might be wrong. right it was a contributing factor um, but it wasn't like the only factor it wasn't the only factor right um, yeah. he was immediately like taken to court like it was they set <laughs> right. up, they set was up the process really quick Trump did it too right? right and it's so crazy to me that first of all no one really talked about the fact that Trump made that process go faster because he wanted justice to be served and he wanted right. to go by quickly because he wanted to show that yes we're not going to just let this man walk or act like this was okay. Right. The majority of Americans all were like, yeah, that was a problem. That video was hard to watch. It was disturbing. So on and so forth. And yeah. that's that one thing where every American basically came together and said, this is a problem. Not, and not everyone said this was racially stemmed, right? That this is a racial issue, but everyone said it's a police brutality issue, right? right. This is wrong. And this is where we get like, well, now we're violent. I was so confused by that. And I immediately knew 
The only reason is because the media portrayed it that George Floyd died because of the color of his skin and they didn't right. get opportunity to look into any more information. And so immediately fear-mongering, immediately upsetting a whole group, a huge group yeah. of Americans, and then all the other ones who want to side with them. Yes, I think the media is responsible for the 12 to 19 deaths, yeah. 110%. I think right. they're responsible for the riots. I think they're responsible for all of that. And if we could sue them, I think we should, but I don't think we can. Right. But it's their, it's their articles, their false reporting, right? Um, right. th them saying things that aren't backed up in truth that causes all of these issues. Um, and if we could completely just like stop giving to them, you know, yeah. and shut them down in some way, I would say we should do that because the lies put forth um, really hurt our society and I think kill people actually. So, right. No, absolutely. I think that's you. huge. There's no way you can rationalize. It's the same party and the same people, the same side of people who say that Donald Trump is, is solely responsible for the death of 250,000 mm -hmm. Americans because of COVID-19. Yes. That think that the media has no responsibility or portrayal and has their best interest in mind mm -hmm. when it comes to police brutality and racism. Yes. And it, you, it just doesn't add up. You know what I mean? If, you, if your belief is that right. Donald Trump is putting out false information, manipulating things and telling you the wrong things and not, you know, putting the right things in place or, you know, to, to, yeah. to combat COVID-19. And then you look at something yes. like that. You look at what you just shared with the media, but also the fact that this is something I bring up all the time with racism. And one of my issues with Black Lives Matter or just sometimes the way the black community responds to these things is that mm -hmm. why don't we care about the other races? Yes. You know, like when, when have you ever like named the, like they all they often say about white people, like, can you name one white person who has died? Like in the same stat, whatever, you know, when yes. people talk about how there is nine or whatever unarmed, the number was yeah. last year of unarmed black people mm -hmm. killed by police. There's more unarmed white people killed by police. And they're like, can you name one of them, yeah. right? Like think of how many people you can name off the top of your dome, right? Probably 20 people yeah. in the last five years who were killed by unarmed people killed yeah. by the police, black people. You can't yeah. name one white person, but not only can you not yeah. name one white person, you can't name one Hispanic person. You can't name one Asian American, right? Yeah. Anything else. Like you, yeah. there's, there's nothing like you can't name one. And that's the stuff that always blows my mind is like, what about the Hispanic people? What about the Asians? What yeah. are, there's other poor people who are killed at the yeah. hands of the police unarmed. And like, we yeah. never talk about, why does nobody care about them? Yeah. And not only does nobody care about them, but the media doesn't report it. The media doesn't portray yeah. it. And it's, it's the same stuff. Yeah. It's the same stuff as, you know, yeah. again, like COVID-19 just gives us so many great examples, but what we always yeah. talk about with that. If you just, if we reported every person that recovered from COVID-19 versus the COVID-19 deaths, how would yeah. people respond? People would obviously feel differently about it. Right. Yeah. If we reported, people often say, you know, car accidents, deaths from car, vehicular yeah. accidents, accidents, yeah. people would be just as scared to drive their car. Yeah. Well, the same thing happens when you only people. report, yeah. when you only report black people dying at the hands of police. Yeah, that's what happens. You know, people think that it's only happening yeah. to black people. People think that it's yeah. it's it's a it's a racial issue and it's all this stuff. And if we had every single mm -hmm. un, unarmed, and I don't even think we should do this, but if we highlight on a national yeah. scale every unarmed person that was killed by police it would be almost impossible to make the argument that it's a racism yes. issue within the yes. police force. Yes. And it really irks me too, because I, what really shocks me is that just like the reporting, like the integrity of it, it's just completely right. diminished. Right. We see Journalism one video is no more. and yeah. where, yeah. Right. Where a white man is doing, putting his knee on George Floyd's neck. Right. And we're upset by this, but nowhere in the video, is there any, um, clear sign that he is, he doesn't say 
any like the n-word anything negative about the fact that he's black he's not really he's just doing it right and i i wonder right, like right. if we if there had been and i think there have been other situations of cops doing stuff like this to white americans right to yep. latino americans whatever different you know using this kind of force and we'll never see it but the assumption the immediate assumption that has no truth behind it right there is right. no fact that you can pull up it's like oh this man's racist and he did this because this man is black. And yeah. once we put that into everyone's mind, it continues the cycle of, oh my gosh, black America is oppressed. The police are racist and yeah. it is so horrible for morale. It is so horrible for people who are going to see that and be like, well, I don't, I don't see the truth in the fact that this is immediately a racist situation. Right. I would love to find out. I would love to try and, and dig deeper and see if maybe this man is racist and there was some reason for him to do this that was stemmed from racism. But right off the bat, I think the video was live for how long? 30 minutes. News yeah. report. Racism, racism, police brutality, black people, all this stuff, right? Um, it's so, so dangerous for our country, for the communities we live in, for you know people who are white and black and their friends, right? How many people maybe lost friends? over this issue that honestly i still can say 100 percent to this day there is no proof that it was a racist issue right that this right. issue had to do with racism that george floyd died because of his skin color so right. um i just think there's so much uh pain suffering that comes from a narrative that that isn't based in truth and isn't based in fact right and, and journalists an are just doing that yeah they've been doing and it for years the other thing that's big in that too, when we talk about like the reason why people always use that retired police captain mm -hmm. uh, as an example, is that like we lose good people in the way that we react and violently outrage against violent actions that are sometimes justified against bad people, yes. right? Like yes. there's there's obviously some some horrific, tragic stories. Ahmaud Aubrey, you have Tamir yes. Rice, you know, like there's some really, really sad situations that happen. Yes. You know, I think Trayvon Martins was a really sad situation. Um, mm -hmm. But but like, when you have, you know, people that, that lump, um, you know, Ahmaud Aubrey into the same argument or don't even, don't even mention him. Like BLM's website yeah. doesn't even mention him. You yeah. know, someone who wasn't like an actual, like unjust, like horrific yes. murder of a black person, like an innocent yeah. black kid who was a great kid, you know, yeah. against uh, Michael Brown. And you put them in the yeah. same situation, the same circumstances. It's not, you know, or even like the way that, you know, thankfully, you know, even though <laughs> Candace doesn't always do it with love and grace, yes. the way that she kind of walks through and other people will walk through the backgrounds of people like Jacob Blake, people like and George yeah. Floyd. Mm -hmm. And it's like, even, even the sad and unjust murder or, or death of yes. uh, George Floyd, because of, you know, the, the thing that, that like Derek Chauvin putting his knee on his neck yes. um, and the violence against him and the unnecessary restraint, yes. um, extra excessive action, you know, like to lose people who are like legitimately good law abiding citizens, yeah. members of family, you know what I mean? Yeah. Is really, really tragic. And, and to think about yeah. how underreported those things are. Wow. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, we elevate to, to martyrdom, to heroic levels, people like Jacob Blake and people like George Floyd. Yeah. People who are criminals, which we should be who, able to say like. The, yes. Who literally victimized the black people. community, the black yes, community right? specifically. You know what I mean? Yes. Both they, like, that's one thing that people always highlight is that Jacob Blake and George Floyd, career criminals, their yeah. victims were 100% black throughout their, yeah. their times committing crimes. Yeah. You know, the dozen plus times combined that they've been arrested for violent crimes mm -hmm. and the things that they've done illegally, like the people that they're in, their actions have impacted and negatively affected most of the black community. Yes. And in response to them, 
having, you know, a very, you know, unjust situation against yes. uh, George Floyd, definitely less clear that it was unjust against Jacob Blake, 100%. right? You know, um, but to think about like reinstating the riots for somebody like Jacob Blake, who's not only in, in a violent criminal, but also was like actively, you know, not complying with the police officers yes. to then lose good people yes. in response to that is just absurd. And there has to be, I think, so, yeah, when you think yeah. about that more, you have to wake up and kind of realize like, is this right? You know what I mean? Like, can I really yeah. get behind this? Can I endorse this? As mm -hmm. a foreign person of faith, as a reasonable yeah. individual, is this really right to really get behind mm -hmm. this organization and this movement? Yeah, you're exactly right there, for sure. It blows my mind that we've lost so many good people um, for criminals, for people who have hurt other people. Um, as someone who's been a victim of horrible things, right? Uh, I imagine, I imagine, I know Jacob Blake somehow, I think he was victimizing women specifically or a right. woman specifically. Yeah. Um, and I imagine thinking to myself, you know, um, if my abuser was like, his name was everywhere, his face is put on a shirt, like all right. of these things, I imagine that. And I think about the injustice that that woman must feel to really be like, oh my gosh, people are glorifying this man who hurt me and hurt other people. Right. It, it's absurd and it's scary. And the media, once again, I'm always going to be, I really can't stand the media. <laughs> I they are adding to yeah. this woman's pain and every victim of any criminal, right? Yep. Who might be unjustly killed. You're, you're, you're kind of making criminals think, you know, like, oh, is it okay for me to be a criminal? Will I still be glorified in my death? You know? Like yep. we should not allow people to kind of think that way because we don't want criminals. Right. We yeah. don't want it. They're not good for our society. They hurt people. And we should never be lifting up criminals like they're good people. Like we could understand that hating the situation in which George Floyd died, but lifting him up, you know, as this great person who died while he was on drugs, a breaking hero, the law, right? Yeah, like this yes. outstanding he father. Held, it's, it's crazy yes. how the, the narrative changes so much, you know, so once much. you die. He held yeah. a pregnant woman at gunpoint at one point in his life, a black pregnant woman, right? Yeah. And we're lifting this person up and it's really, we should be wary of the fact that this is happening. And and guilty to that, yeah. Yes, and if you didn't know any of this information, right? If you're someone who's like, wow, this is all new information, really start trying to think for yourself and do your own research. I think- Finding out truth for yourself is so important. Reading, sure. seeing what's going on in the world, not just listening to an Instagram story that you see or a tweet that you see, you know, or a famous person comes out and says, this is what's going on. You don't listen right. to a famous person, you know, <laughs> right. they are, they, nothing they say really adds to the situation. They're not living yeah. it, right? Um, listen to people who are smart, intelligent and do their own and doing their research and trying to give you the truth for your sake, right? Um, I just think that's really important because this information shouldn't be shocking. Everyone should know this information, right? Yeah. But a lot of people don't. No, absolutely not. Yeah. And I think that that's something that's so important, you know, to recognize, it, you know, I was just listening to an old Candace Owens episode mm -hmm. and she talks about, she talks about this often that the, it, there's, you, you talked about, you know, the number of people who died, uh, unarmed black people who died at the hands of the police last year. Mm -hmm. And to think about like, that's Chicago in a weekend. Right. Yeah. Like you want to talk about like 10 people dying like that's Chicago, July 4th weekend, 2020. Like mm -hmm. that's easy. You know what I mean? And yeah. the, the like, what Candace, yeah. yeah. What Candace mm -hmm. says is that the issue that those children and the, the people who die, you know, in, in those weekends, mm -hmm. the, the, the problem that they have is that they're killed by a black person and not by mm -hmm. a white cop. 
And so you never hear their names. You never hear that issue they talk about. You got Lori Lightfoot up in, you know, the Chicago mayor who just all BLM is, you know, all about it. And while her city is getting burnt to the ground, black people continue to die at the hands of other black people. And it's so interesting, you know, like you talked about earlier of reporting color, like the, the main time that people report color it used to yeah. be, and it's so interesting, right? Because we used to actually have to deal with racism where it was like, it was always yeah. so important that the criminal was black and it was like, this black yeah. man did this. Other, and then black men were painted as, it's so interesting, right? To see how the yeah. pendulum has swung where black men yeah. used to actually be portrayed as just like criminals and thugs and it was oh, awful, right? Like oh, that was the stereotype that was pressed. And mm-hmm. now those criminals, like the ones who actually are criminals and thugs, which are a small mm-hmm. percentage of mm-hmm. us black men, are now lauded as heroes when, you know, yeah. killed by police, even if it's justified. It's, yes. it's like unbelievable, right? But why yeah. does that happen? Why does that swing? Why does that move go back and forth? And yeah. obviously we're going to have to cut today, but what we'll talk yeah. about next time is why does that happen? Why, do, why, why is it that, you know, you've seen Joe Biden or Kamala, Kamala, yeah. whatever, Harris, you know, <laughs> switch their position on so many different mm-hmm. things throughout their political career. It's really interesting, yeah. right? that, you know, Joe Biden could support the 1994 crime bill and now support Black Lives Matter and speak at George Floyd's funeral. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's interesting how he has these different jumps around and yeah. believing in segregation and all these different stances, right? Like, yeah. we want to talk about that. how are able to do that. Who enables them right. to do that? And Who enables them the media, to do that? Again, yep. but. <laughs> <laughs> Who enables it? What's the purpose of it? And yeah. what ultimately is, is the yes. Black Lives Matter organization really working towards? Yeah. And why we as Catholics have to be weary about why we can't support them financially, why we have to be worried about supporting them, you know, even just in our minds and in our social circles and in our social media posts and all of that stuff, why we have to be weary of this yes. and more things that we need to know. But we'll definitely have to close it down for today. I knew at the jump we weren't going to get through it all, which, yeah, we should have known from the beginning, right? But this yeah. is still an awesome, awesome time with you, Bella. Yeah, I really I appreciate did. your time. Look forward yeah. to uh, finishing it out because we got some great stuff. I, you know, I was really trying to build up to the stuff I was most passionate about. Yes, and, and I there's know. so much more, like mm-hmm. like you just said, that people don't yeah. know about. Exactly. I think you know because the media yeah. doesn't cover it or it doesn't cover the full fullness of truth. Yeah, we're gonna have to do a part two. We're gonna get Liddy with the part two, man. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, and thanks, thanks everybody for, for listening. Me. Bye, y'all. <laughs>